Steelers, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. Of course you know it, and you love it. It is Victory Lane. Today on the show, it is... The Donnie Neuenberger edition. That's right. You're probably saying, who the heck is Donnie Neuenberger? Look him up. I didn't remember him racing at all, (laughs) but I somehow or another got in possession of a Royal Farms number 52 die cast of Donnie Neuenberger. And that is what I have in my room. That's how I remember Donnie Neuenberger. And that is why episode 52 is dedicated to none other than the one, the only, Donnie Neuenberger. Today on the show, we will have Chase Wilhelm of NASCAR.com. He is a reporter extraordinaire for them. He actually replied to one of my Instagram stories last week of our chat with Jagger Jones and was like, hey, when am I coming on? And I was like, I'm bored. When do you want to come on? How about next week? And we did an interview. So that was fun. And let's talk real quick before we get into that about the eNASCAR iRacing Pro Series Invitational Race from Richmond Raceway. But before I do any of that, you already know what I got to do with a good old-fashioned. But I'm going to do a little quiet because I uh, I don't want to disturb people that uh, are in this house right now. That was very lackluster, but we'll do better next time. All right, Richmond this weekend. Slick Bill Byron, Willie B wins it again. Yet again, dominates and holds off the field for an overtime win. He was on old tires, too, so good on William. His second consecutive win in the series dating back to the two-weeks-ago race that took place at Bristol. The only driver now in the series with multiple wins. Here he is walking us through the finish and his second straight W. You know, pleased with how it turned out. Definitely the pit call there with about 40, or I guess, yeah, 40 laps to go was... um was a tough one. I didn't really know how that was going to work out, but luckily we were able to have a little bit of buffer to the guys with four tires. And then, uh, the late restart just executed that well. So, um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, really enjoyed it. Good to go back to back. It's, it's really cool. So having fun with it while we're kind of in a hiatus here, but I'm um, looking forward to get back to the real racing, uh, soon too. There was a smaller field this week. I, I believe it was 30 drivers or so. And there were also zero resets. And that lent to cleaner racing overall. I wanted to get his thoughts on that being Mr. iRacing, plus his thoughts on fans not being present at the track whenever we go back racing with things, whether that's at Darlington, Charlotte, Texas, wherever. Because I I feel like that's an integral part to the race weekend that a lot of people may be overlooking right now. Hey, William, congratulations on the win. Um, With the smaller field today and the lack of resets in the field did you notice uh, a tangible difference with the racing that went on today yeah yeah most definitely i mean there was way less um way less intentional contact um people were were cleaner and more methodical with with the way that they raced i thought that was a good thing i thought they were still hard racing but guys weren't running all over each other um for position so uh, i was really pleased with that i mean i don't know what it looked like honestly but um i was pleased with how the racing was uh, with with me, myself, and, and Ryan Priest and Timmy Hill, um, and then throughout the field, and I thought it was good. As a follow-up um, on what we talked about a little bit earlier with the fans, all the experts have said that any sport in this country is going to begin, again, without fans. Nobody obviously wants that, but how would you as a driver have to adapt to not having your normal environment at the track and fans, whether it be pack stands of 100,000 or just a local short track, they add a lot to the race in general. How would you as a driver adapt to not having them there? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for sure. The normal routine is going to have to change and the amount of time that we are at the racetrack is probably going to change too. So I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what that is like. Uh, I know that our team on the 24 will do a good job of preparing and adapting to the circumstances. So I'm just looking forward to seeing how that plays out. 
interview time. I mentioned Chase off the top. Again, reporter extraordinaire for NASCAR.com. We talked about a lot here, and I, I hope that this is kind of one of those things where it's like two homies just kind of chopping it up and you're um, lent inside for it. But started about, uh, talked about, excuse me, his, his start in NASCAR, how he got into it from being from Ohio, his college days, how he almost became a lawyer. That would have been wild. Um, we had a, a pretty long extended conversation about the the way that you can navigate having a good relationship with drivers, but not being friendly with them and not being friends with them. So that can kind of not cloud your, your way of covering them. And, and I learned some stuff from him with that. Uh, interesting story from him though, about how he, he moved down to Charlotte on a whim, got a job, got laid off, got another one, uh, perseverance from chase. So it was cool. And of course, um, I had to give him some, some crap for being a Michigan fan. We always give each other crap for MSU and U of M stuff. So he is a scumbag, but he is my scumbag for this next hour or so. Here he is chase Wilhelm on victory lane. I like to have friends on the podcast. I like to have drivers, crew chiefs, owners, what have you. And today, as I was teasing him in our pre-show meeting, I wrote in the section of my notes, interview time, Chase Wilhelm of NASCAR.com and, unfortunately, a Michigan fan. Now, Chase, you actually asked to be on this podcast when I put it out on Instagram last week. So here we are. You're welcome. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to do? You know, thanks for throwing me under the bus there. I, I know. I'm like, no okay, problem. like I consider us good friends. And since you haven't asked me yet, I kind of had to call you out a little bit. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about whatever you want, man. No, but it's within, up to you. You want to come on the show. You drive the conversation here. That's my rule. Well, I mean, we can just talk about how much better I am than you are than you. I mean, we can talk about that. Like, at, if we're gonna, at just I everything? Yeah, at basically everything, especially being a Michigan sports fan. Oof. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, we have we have one thing in common. We're fans of universities in the state of Michigan, and we are not from the state of Michigan. That is that's true, and I'm glad I have at least I have somebody who uh, has to deal with that too, because I get a lot of crap for that. Um, I know a lot of obviously I know a lot of Ohio State fans, and, mm-hmm. and even when like people who are like SEC fans down here in North Carolina. They always give me crap like, oh, you're from Ohio. Like, I bet you like Ohio State. I'm like, no, actually, I like Michigan. And then yeah. they, they get more crap for liking Michigan and for not growing up there. So, Well, they should. That's why I give you crap all the time. Yeah, well, you know, I, but you like little brother. I, I yeah. literally forget half of the time that you actually didn't go to Michigan. Like, you, you yeah. actually have to remind me when I'm giving you shit at the track for it. Well, that's that's the cool thing is because I'm – I. I'm not that smart to get into Michigan. So the fact that you just automatically think that that's great. Like that's, that bodes well for me because um, yeah, definitely. I went to a Mac school, not, which is great. Like that Bowling Green had a really good journalism school and yeah. all that. You know, I got, gave me a little, really good opportunities and all and everything. So I'm kind of, I'm glad I ended up where I was at, but I'd love to go to Michigan, but I just, you know, the, the SAT, SAT score really wasn't, really wasn't there to do it. Join the club. I actually have Bowling Green in Miami of Ohio on my notes later on. So we will get to that. Do not Perfect. worry. Um, but we were talking a little bit before about this quarantine. You are in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina with your roommate, Dylan. Um, have you guys wanted to kill each other yet? Uh, no, I think we're, we're good so far. At least I don't want to kill him. I, it might be the other way around. Yeah. You know, we, we, we try to lighten the mood, give each other, give each other crap. You know, uh, he's, he's giving me an, an adult gesture as we speak. Didn't you guys like dress up fancy for a dinner or something just to like, do it for fun we did you know so i've been actually i'm the cook in the in the household so um i'm like he's like you know what he's like how about you cook a good dinner and and we'll uh we'll actually dress up you know give us an excuse to actually you know do something and it, it was literally just something to do. i'm like okay let's do it so we dressed up and um we have another person here too so we ended up just playing cards and that, it was funny because i'm like okay we're gonna pretend we're in vegas tonight because he looked like a dang dealer a car dealer in yep. Vegas. Okay, I'm like you. You deal it out. I'll make the dinner, and we'll uh, we'll have a few ice cold beers and and have a good night. So yeah, we're just we're trying to live it up as much as we can and try to make it as fun as possible. Seriously, in these times, anything to make it feel like some place you're going or something you're doing, like that's the way to do it. So whether it's Vegas, whether it's me in Delaware right now, pretending I'm in Charlotte, like I I'm all for the creativity. So kudos to you guys. You're doing more than yeah. I do. 
you know, it'd, it'd be great if you were the if you were the third roommate, David. We'd we'd love to have you here. But I know you're stuck up in some colder weather, and I I feel bad for you. I That's really right. do. Maybe after this call, we can talk rent, and maybe we'll make, maybe we'll work something out during these tough times. There we go. We'll just kick the other roommate out. How about that? <laughs> that, that works <laughs> for me. Um, so let's talk about you for a little bit. I told you we're not even going to talk much racing because, well, there's there's not that much going on besides what's going on virtually. But you, of course, are a reporter extraordinaire, and you've done a lot of different content roles for NASCAR.com. What's going on right now on the website? I know there's a bunch of classic races being replayed, some articles that are coming out. I think you guys today, as we're recording this on 420 Blaze It, uh, released the first round of the driver draft for this year. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So we've been doing, like you said, the classic races. We've had some pretty cool ones, um, especially me being a Jeff Gordon fan. Bristol week was my favorite because we had two races where he, uh, he knocked the hell out of Rusty Wallace. So I really enjoyed that. And uh, one of my good friends, depending on the day, Alan Cavana from Fox Sports. Mm. He's a big Rusty Wallace fan, so I love throwing that in his face. Um, he kind of treats me like a little brother. I mean, we're both only children, so I, I, any chance I can get to to pick on him, it's that was great. So, um, you know, it gives people something to talk about, kind of reflect on everything since we're not actually racing in real life. But we have the uh, the eNASCAR, the iRacing deal with uh, between the – Coca-Cola iRacing series and then the pro uh, pro invitational series. And that's been, that's been great. William Byron going to doing two in a row at, uh, at uh, Bristol and Richmond. So that's been pretty cool to see his prowess and all that. And that's been entertaining. And then also, like you said, the driver draft, we uh, just unveiled the, um, the first five in the top 25. Um, so basically what that is. So each, each uh, day we're going to showcase, it's kind of like an NFL draft type deal um, where, we all collectively as a, as an editorial group, we picked our, we kind of ranked our favorites from one to 50 and then the top 25, we got the most votes. They sorted all those out and, um, and went from there. So today you had like, uh, Jimmy Johnson, John Hunter Nemechek, Haley Deegan actually made the list. She was 25th. So yep, looking at it right now. Yeah. That's really cool for her. Just, uh, just getting started and she's already there in the top 25 top drivers, at least in our eyes at NASCAR.com. So, uh, that's been pretty cool to put together. I'm, I'm sure uh, there's going to be a few surprises as who's uh, who's where. Like for example, Jimmy Johnson. You wouldn't... I was going to say, yeah, holy shit. Yeah, you wouldn't expect to see him in the top 25, but basically, it's like who you who you would want on your team right now. And this being his last season, you know, it's kind of like he's he's on to the to the next deal. But he is a seven time champion. So for me, it was really weird to see that. And he also didn't make my top 10, even. So it's. It, it's tough. You know, you, you want to give him credit for everything he's accomplished. I'd, I'd say he's the greatest to ever do it. Um, Agreed. I mean, we, we, we are in an era where it's more competitive um, and just, you know, point blank. You know, I, I know Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt, they had their days and they each, they each cut their teeth in a, in a different era. And this is a new one. And I think this is the hardest one yet. And Jimmy's just took it to him, you know, for the past few years. Um, so it was difficult to put Jimmy and Jimmy down there, but it is what it is. It's also weird, too, because when you think about a draft, right, you're building for the future. Like, that's the whole point of the draft. And frankly, if I'm building for the future, would I want somebody who's in their last full-time season as a cup driver on my team? I don't know. I would probably think that I would draft him later on in the draft like you guys had on the panel just for the sheer fact that, one, he's the GOAT in my eyes, as you agree. Two, the experience and knowledge that he could bring to your race team is unparalleled and unrivaled. And three, he's still got a little something left in the tank, if, if we're being honest. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, he's probably not going to be in your top 10 pick on Mel Kuyper's big board, so to speak, but he's still going to yeah. be a guy that you want to have around your organization. Maybe not as the, the first asset on track, but I think what he can bring right now, and if you're drafting him like would be an actual draft, what he could bring off track knowledge-wise would be unrivaled. Oh yeah, and you're exactly right. And this is the whole cool thing, just in general, is is us debating about this. Like we're we're hoping because it, it's been a great debate between us, like internally, like just kind of talking about who would who we would place where. Like last year, I put um, Christopher Bell as my number one pick, as far as me personally. And I got so much crap from from R.J. Kraft and Jonathan <laughs> Merriman, all these guys, and Brad Norman. And they're like, "What are you doing, man? Like he hasn't even proved anything in the Cup Series yet." And like I've seen this guy race dirt. And this guy can can pretty much do it all, and and uh, and I mean he hasn't really had the best 
rookie season so far, four races in, but um, that guy has a lot of race wins and, and championships ahead of him for sure. But this year didn't go with Christopher Bell. Um, I'll, I'll unveil my, my top four drivers. Oh, breaking news. Yeah, I'll, I'll unveil my top four just because we all lumped it up, so it's I'm not giving anything away. But for me personally, my top four were um, – were Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, and Kevin Harvick. I like the whole two veterans who still have a lot of years left in them, or a few at least, um, and then the two young guys who, who are definitely going to win many more races and championships uh, as the years years go by. Was that the order, or was Kyle Busch number one for you? Kyle Busch was number one. You yeah. know, he's, he's definitely the most talented driver in the series right now, and, you know, love him or hate him, that's just a fact. And then, um, you know, I'd... I guess if I had to rank him, it'd be Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, and Kevin Harvick. Because Kevin Harvick has less years left in him than Kyle Busch does. But Kevin Harvick's also still getting it done with crew chief Ronnie Childers and all that. So those, I think that's a solid top four. Yeah, I, I think it's probably hard to argue with that. And also, before we move on, on the Christopher Bell thing, it sounds weird in, in you know principle. But at the same time, David Smith, who I know we're both familiar with, He's kind of the analytics darling of NASCAR media, and he knows what the hell he's talking about. And he's said for years that Chandler Smith is his number one prospect and on The Athletic, which is a subscription service, of course. So if you guys have it, go read it. But in his prospect rankings, which I think he did 50 of them, um, Chandler Smith was number one, and he's yet to make a National Series start. So that's just kind of, I think he was number one, I'm pretty sure. So that just shows you, I mean... There's a lot of different avenues that you can go, not just on asphalt. Um, there were some dirt guys on there. There were some guys that I've never even heard of that are in the Pinty series and the Peak Mexico series and stuff like that. So it's not just reserved to young cup drivers or Xfinity and truck drivers or even ARCA drivers like you mentioned, Haley Deegan or um, Ty Gibbs has been very um, you know talked about in those circles. I mean, this goes far, far deeper. And I mean, I read an article this morning about talking about how Joey Logano, when he won his first race, was 19 years old. I mean, yeah, he was in the Cup Series at 19, and that was the youngest ever winner in the Cup Series at that time. But there's drivers right now that are 15, 16, in some cases 14, that are being scouted and being signed by these premier organizations because you've got to start that early. It's crazy that that's kind of where we are as a sport right now. And exactly. And there were, there were people on the list that, that, you know, didn't make our top 25, but they're, they're right there as well. One that I, that comes to mind for me is David Gravel. The fact that he has such a deep uh, sprint car racing background, he's the defending Knoxville nationals champion and he's doing some truck starts and all that. Like he was on our list because, because of his talent. Um, and uh, like, I, I think Chandler Smith was on the list too. Some other guys like that, that uh, and girls that are, that are coming up the ranks and, it's cool to see that we have that deep of a talent pool, even though those drivers are still working their way up. We just know their potential, and it's cool it's cool to talk about and discuss. Yeah, so I just pulled up uh, the athletics rankings. David Smith had Chandler Smith, number one, Sam Mayer, number two, who's the defending ARCA East champ, Chase Briscoe, number three, and it's worth pointing out, Chandler Smith's 18, Sam Mayer 17, and Chase Briscoe's 25. So he's one of the older prospects on that list. And then rounding out the top five, Austin Sindrick and Ben Rhodes, who's 23, but he's been in the truck series for what seems like forever, but he's done a really good job over at Thor Sports. So there's there's a lot of content out there for prospect rankings and draft analysis and stuff like that, uh, and obviously the NFL draft coming up this week. So if you're interested in that, you can find it on NASCAR.com, of course, and on The Athletic as well. So lots of uh, stuff going on there. Let's go back to the very beginning, Chase your childhood um how did you get into nascar was it something that was prevalent in your childhood in your household was it on tv all the time i know you mentioned jeff gordon he was your boy take me back there how did this all begin for you yeah so um i i just kind of i grew up in a racing area uh so northwest ohio i'm from fremont ohio there's a there's a sprint car track there fremont speedway uh you got attica raceway park down the road as well did you go a lot when you were a kid I did. I was there every Friday and Saturday at Attica and Fremont. And cool. uh, also the owner of the company my mom manages, um, he, uh, his son races sprint cars. So I was there every single weekend. Cool. And, you know, I, I didn't know too much mechanically, but, you know, I, I, I was at least there to support the team. And, and I learned a lot. I was trying to be as much of a sponge as I could in racing. And I'd, I'd watch NASCAR. Like I said, I was a Jeff Gordon fan growing up. And I, kind of our thing was my grandma and I, we'd watch the race every Sunday. 
um, you know, we'd go get, you know, we'd, we'd go to church and then we'd go get some lunch and then, uh, we'd, we'd watch the race. That was our Sunday ritual. There were, heck, there were times where my mom wanted me to go out with like, go with her, her friends and their kids. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I got to watch the race on Sunday. And she got annoyed. She's like, come on, we want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. You're saying no to it. And I actually got <laughs> I'm like, why are you dragging me to Chuck E. Cheese when I'm, I need to watch a race? And, uh, now she's glad I've, I've done that because it's the careers worked out for me, but, right. um, yeah, so just uh, just grew up watching racing, whether it's on TV or at my local dirt track. And um, once it finally came time to, to decide one, what I wanted to do in my life, it was between being a lawyer and a reporter. And I don't like reading that much. I, I, writing, <laughs> I hate reading and the political science deal, that's a lot of reading. And I'm like, you know, is it really worth the, is it really worth the money? Probably not. I want to do something I love. And I'm like, let's, let's give this a shot. And um studied uh, journalism and communication in school and, and also tried to get as much experience as I could throughout college. And, and admittedly, if, if the one piece of advice I would give to uh, somebody up and coming in school who wants to be a reporter, no matter if it's in NASCAR or another sport, is I always put experience over my classes. And I know professors are going to hate me saying that, but if it was worth it was if it was sacrificing an A on a test to go to a racetrack for a weekend and do some freelance work like Performance Racing Network, the guys at PRN, they they were so good to me. Doug Rice, Steve Richards, during college they gave me that chance to to prove myself, um, and I would always put that first. You know, I'd, I'd still focused on my studies, but I wanted to be at the racetrack, and I knew at the end of the day who I knew and what I knew was going to get me farther than getting an A plus on a test. Um, so kind of worked my way up from there and. Um, moved down here to Charlotte, packed everything I owned in, in a car and made my mama cry for leaving her. Um, and, and came down here and worked at, worked at Lowe's part-time and, and, uh, lawn and garden until, uh, I got a call saying that there was a job open at Fox sports, um, with Tom Jensen and that whole crew. And thankfully Tom and hired me there. And then I know everybody, a lot of people know the stuff that went down at Fox, um, it was our, out of our control and, and NASCAR picked me up. They were impressed that I did. And, and here I am two years later. So it's been kind of a whirlwind. It's, it's crazy, but I'm definitely grateful. Congratulations. You just took every one of my notes in order and touched on them all. So no, well, we no, no. Whatever you want. Yeah. no, that's what I was going to say. We're going to go through it one by one. Cause I, yeah. I, I'm very intrigued with it. Um, let's start with college so you went to i did some linkedin stalking i do that with all the people that i interview so i saw miami of ohio and bowling green on there i knew that you went to college in ohio and i knew about bowling green but i didn't know about miami my grandpa actually went there and i was considering going for a while i took a tour and everything so tell me about your college days like did you did you know right away that you were going to go the communications journalism reporting route or was like law still in the question at that point and then the the decision in terms of going to bowling green afterwards okay so when i when i started miami um i did the whole political science deal at first and and i think that was swayed by maybe somebody i was dating at the time they're like oh you need to you know make a lot of money and, and a lot of stuff and i'm like oh like i could be a lawyer maybe inter- interested me and then nah yeah between kicking you know between breaking up with her and uh you know, not wanting to read that much. Um, like, you know what, let's, and then I actually ended up joining the cycling team. So, um, one thing about me, if you look, if you look back at some high school pictures, I was, uh, I was not, um, uh, a light kid. I was, I was pretty hefty. Um, it was like, Same. I think I was, I was sitting two thirty going into college and then Ooh. I joined the cycling team at Miami and I, I dropped down to like one sixty five. Wow. Um, yeah. So, Damn. Point of that is um, all my friends on the cycling team were in kinesiology. So I'm like, oh, let me try that. Well, it turns out I'd suck at science too. So I'm like, all right. Same. Like, again. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Let's see where this NASCAR reporting deal goes. If not, I'm screwed. So <laughs> luckily, the third time is the charm for me. And I switched over to communication journalism. And then, um, and then as far as the transition from Miami to Bowling Green, um, unfortunately, my grandma actually got sick. Um, midway through my college career and then Fremont is like a half an hour east of Bowling Green campus. Um, and I, and I wanted to transfer there anyway because they had a better journalism program and I had a chance to, to be on the radio network and I was a sideline reporter for football. 
Um, I actually covered Paul Swan um, during his senior year. Uh, Paul cool. Swan, yeah, tire changer for uh, the three of Austin Dillon. Um, so it's funny uh, reminiscing on that. And I've, I've met, talked to Paul a few times, and we, you know, Isaac Zumba for Bowling Green. We always say that to each <laughs> other and everything. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I moved up there for two reasons. One, to be at a better school for that. And then two, just because because um, of my grandma, you know, family means a lot to me. I want to be close to her. Um, and then it kind of worked out from there. I got a lot of good experience and and uh, that propelled me to North Carolina. So was there a specific moment, whether it was when you were realizing that you sucked at science, you didn't like reading, you sucked at math. I also agree with all three of those things. And my dad tells me all the time, he's like, if you're, if you're going to really be a reporter or a journalist, you need to learn how to like to read. I'm like, well, I like to read articles and, you know, things here and there, but I'm not going to sit down and read like all the Harry Potters in a week, like not going to happen. So was yeah. there a specific moment for you where you decided, okay, I've watched racing all my life. I've been to the racetrack growing up. This is something that's been ingrained in me at a young age because of my family. I'm going to now pursue a career in it. Was there a moment for you where that flip kind of switched and said, okay, I'm going to try to make this a reality. I can't remember like a, <sighs> Heck, I, you know what? I want to say that um, – so there's this thing called Green Beer Day in uh, at, at Miami University. Here's it's, a story. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> um, it was it was an epiphany for me. Um, so Green Beer Day, if people who aren't familiar, it's, it's over St. Patrick's Day. And it's a day during the week where you're not supposed to skip classes, but you start drinking at like at, – at, like four in the morning, four or five in the morning. And it goes Everybody's gone drunk to class. It happens. Exactly. And, and, um, I was up at, I was up at like 7am drinking a beer and trying to finish this paper for some, whatever course I was taking sophomore year before I got into journalism. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, screw this. This sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it was a little bit of liquid courage. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go do something else. So it just kind of things added up. And I'm like, I'd, I'm not liking what I'm doing. I'm wasting all this money on on it. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a risk. And I knew it was hard to get in sport with just from people I've talked to and what I've seen. And I'm like, you know what? Might as well take a risk. I, I'm I'm big in in, in risk taking, no matter if it's professionally or, or personally. I think that um, most of the time the reward outweighs the the actual risk. And mm-hmm. and I don't think you should ever be afraid to to fail at something because if you don't try, you never know. And I'd rather fail knowing that I tried than never tried at all. Preach. So kind of, yes. Yeah. So I, I kind of just took a shot and it, it's worked out so far. Shoot or shoot. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... so thanks, thanks to Bush Light for my decision to, uh, <laughs> to go the journalism route. Thanks for my bank account for uh, allowing me to purchase the Bush Light. And thank you to Bush Light for uh, making Chase be here with me today. Boom. We got it. Sponsor plug in. Official Love sponsor it. of NASCAR Cup Series. Bush. Thank you. Um <laughs> So you mentioned also that uh, once you move down, and we'll get to you moving, uh, you know, let's do it right now. So you moved down to Charlotte. Uh, I'm assuming how it kind of went was you graduate, you get your degree, you go back home, you say, Mom, I'm going to Charlotte, I'm going to pursue this dream, and then the tears started flowing. Is that kind of how it happened in an accelerated story time process, or like how did that all deal work? So I visited Charlotte for a weekend after I graduated and just to see if I would actually like the town and if it was actually worth it. And I went down there and I, I went down here and I fell in love with it. Like, I, I love this, the city. There's so much to do and everything. And, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people our age that are down here and, and between trying to make them the sport themselves and then people outside the sport that are, that are cool to hang out with. And like, so I went back up to Ohio. I'm like, mom, we're doing it. I'm leaving in two weeks. And so this is right when, after you graduated. This is right after I graduated, okay. came down to Charlotte to make sure I liked it again. And, um, yeah, I went up there and my mom, I got, you got two weeks with me. I'm going to, I'm going to go down there and pursue my career. And, and you had no concrete job at this point in Charlotte. You were just kind of going down. I was going down. Like I had worked at Lowe's back in my hometown after graduating college and just to have some type of income. And I transferred to a Lowe's down here in Concord and, um, mom's a single parent too. So it's just her and I, so I kind of left her basically with her and her and her dog. And, uh, but she's, she knew that's what I had to do. I, there was nothing for me in Ohio, um, as far as a, a career path goes and you can make a good living up there. And she did for me. And I can't believe she's a superwoman. I can't believe what she was able to do, 
for me, I'd never went without or anything, her being a single parent. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, but I just knew that it, that wasn't, that lifestyle wasn't for me living in Ohio in a small town. So moved down here and, and thankfully I had some people to help me get on my feet. Um, so I owe a lot of credit to Steve Richards from PRN. He's one of the pit reporters there um, that, you know, they'd, they were, I was lucky enough to where him and his wife opened their doors for me um, before I was able to get an apartment or anything. I'd stay with them for a while. And whenever, if I, if I ever write a, a memoir about my career, if I'm lucky enough to, to make it that big, uh, they're definitely a big part of that. Um, Steve's between, good people. Yeah. They're, they're really good people and um, really helped me out. If it wasn't for them and, and Doug Rice and the, the PRN folks, I wouldn't, <laughs> I would probably still be in Ohio. So and I had another question about your mom because uh, I'm not going to divulge your social media accounts here. If you guys know Chase, you follow him, or if you don't know him, you can follow him. But you, I know you're really close to your mom, uh, and mm-hmm. you talked about her being a single parent and that relationship. I- I'm sure the, the mother-son relationship for everybody is different, but you guys seem to have a really, really special one. Did you kind of think about what you were going to say to her You know, when you were realizing that you were going to move down there? Did you know that she was going to be... I mean, of course she's happy for you, but she didn't want her baby to leave. You know, I mean, did you, yeah. did you think about how you, you were going to approach that? Cause like I said, your guys' relationship is, is really special. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's, it's just automatically special because when you're, a, when you're a single parent and you have an only, only child, it's kind of, it's by default, you're just really close. And I can tell my mom anything, no matter what, whether it's professionally, you know, girls, no matter what I can, I can deal with her. Mom, um, I don't like to read. I'm going to do a NASCAR. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And she was all for it. Cause she knew I had a deep knowledge base in it and she was hoping other people realized that too. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I just, I was so excited when I got back to my hometown after going to Charlotte, I'm just like, I got to do this mom. I got like, I have to. And it's like, oh, I understand. And, and it, it was, it was tough for a little bit. You know, we, we talked, we, we still talk every day on the phone, whether it's text or a phone call or, or a FaceTime or something, you know, um, we're always in contact every day. So it's been, it's gotten easier for, her, but, uh, yeah, it was tough. It was tough for both of us. Um, but you know, the, the baby bird has to fly out of the nest some, at some point. That's right. And you, you did right after school and you mentioned Steve of PRN, Doug Rice as well, the president over there at the performance racing network with my LinkedIn stalking, saw that you work for Charlotte motor speedway. I assume that was a part of the, was that a part of the internship program or did you work directly for PRN? So it was, um, it wasn't part of the internship program. So I did the freelance stuff for PRN, just going gotcha. there and collecting tape for them at the, at the tracks, uh, the SMI tracks. And then I, um, so the Charlotte Motor Speedway part is they did a trophy tour in, um, in the weeks leading up to the 600 weekend. So I'd go to Walmarts and like kind of be like a hype man, like we have like a couple cars there in the trophy and everything and they were giving away free tickets and all that and i was kind of like the little the little mc hype man person that was getting fans excited about it <laughs> so that was my little credit for working at charlotte motor speedway and i also worked at the drag strip doing the same thing um so it's whatever you got to do to get your name out there and to show that you're comfortable in front of a microphone yeah at least for our for our side of the industry you do it and that that's what i did you know it's it was me it was getting practice talking in front of people so i i thought it was beneficial not going to lie to you. I don't envision you. Like when I think of you, I don't think of hype man first, but if it worked, it worked. Well, you've obviously never drank beer with me then. <laughs> this is correct. I guess I'm on my way to Charlotte right now after we finish. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, social distancing that we'll have to drink. Of course. <laughs> of course. We'll both sit in our cars and just sip on that, uh, wonderful Bush sponsor of the NASCAR cup series. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Second sponsor plug in there. Cool. Um, um I'm loving it. And you mentioned that you had a job back home at Lowe's and you transferred to a job in Concord working at Lowe's. And I remember when we first got to know each other, I don't remember when it was, but I was, I was still at that point and I I still am frankly, where I was kind of networking with people and trying to glean information and get advice and, you know, seek counsel from everybody. It's just like, what do I got to do to get this opportunity or talk to this person or get this experience, whatever. And I remember you kind of you kind of told me what we're talking about right now in terms of moving down to Charlotte on a whim with no real job. You told me that, and I was like, geez, sh- sh- should I do that? Like, I legitimately thought for a while, I think I was still in school at this point, maybe I was a junior or senior, I was like, man, like, 
maybe I should do that. Maybe I should just send it and just move down to Charlotte, work another job. Like while I try to find some job in, in the NASCAR industry. And I mean, I know I'm good enough. I'm confident enough. It'll pay off, but it got to a point where I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. And then I ended up having something back home at NBC sports, Washington. But you, you mentioned the Lowe's thing. I'm curious since that was kind of your day job and that was your main source of income while you were down there, grind and try to scratch and claw for every opportunity as I mean, we know how it is. Did you ever get to a point where you're just working one of your shifts and you're like, I I don't know if this is going to work. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Did you ever get to that point or were were you always a confident guy and you always knew that it was going to work out? Um, so it's, I, cause I had to work at Lowe's a couple months and they actually promoted me to, uh, plumbing out of all places. That's a promotion. Yeah, I did, but I was they, they promoted me to sales specialist because I was good at talking to people and they wanted me to sell like bathroom remodels and stuff. But then at the same time, when you're working your shifts, you have people in there like, oh, how do I find this piece for my toilet or my toilet's plugged or I need this bolt or something. I didn't oh, know anything about a toilet or, or anything. No. So my God, I mean, I was making good money, but at the same time, I didn't know. I, I was telling people probably the wrong thing. I probably made their plumbing worse at their house and they flooded out or something, but <laughs> And I still wasn't finding a job yet. And there's, there was some frustrating days. And there was one day where I was, I about had it. And, uh, I, I get a call from, it was actually Steve. And he's like, you got to call me back right now. I'm like, I'm working. He's like, you have got to call me back. And he's like, Hey, he's like, you see, he's like, I heard that Tom Jensen's hiring at Fox. I'm like, okay, this is way more important than the shift at this point. So yeah. I hurried up and, and, and contacted him and, and sent him my, re- my resume and application and all that. And, ended up working out. So I was kind of at my wits end and I, I never, um, I never was going to move back to Ohio. Like that was never my intention. I'd rather work at Lowe's and, and keep grinding than, than give up. There's no, I don't have any give up in me. Um, and, and that's another thing I, a piece of advice for anybody who wants to get into the sport is you can't give up or it's never going to happen for you. But once you let that little ounce, of, okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Then you're already, you've already lost. Um, so, I mean, you're going to have some frustrating times. I still do. You do. I'm sure you have, you have frustrating days where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, what the, what the hell? Um, but if you grind through it and just keep taking those risks and, and, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll pay off if you're, if you're diligent enough and you work hard enough. So Tom calls, he's hiring at Fox, you get the gig, you wind up being a, I guess, digital reporter is a good way of putting it at Fox sports. Um, yeah. you mentioned it earlier, but for those of you listening that aren't familiar, what happened was Fox Sports pivoted pretty much 100% to video, and they laid off, got rid of all of the writing, whether that's staff. Um, and, well, yes, that is staff. They got rid of all the writing on their website. That's a way of saying it. Um, so, Chase, you were shut out of luck, and they basically eliminated your position, which... I think in the long term was not a wise decision, but that's neither here nor there. So what did you do at that point? Um, you, you you moved down there. You've cut your teeth. You got this opportunity. You're enjoying it. You're at the track. You're making connections. You're living your dream. And then the, the rug gets pulled out from under you. What do you do now? Uh, you, I kept grinding. It was funny. Like the day before I got laid off, I had just signed a, uh, a new lease for my apartment. And I moved into a two bedroom because I was going to have one of the bedrooms be my office. So it was more expensive. And then I find out I don't have an income anymore. Never fails. Uh, yeah. Right. It's just perfect. Impe- impeccable timing for sure. But I went a month without a job. And, and thankfully, um, I, somebody from NASCAR reached out to me and, um, it was actually, it was actually Tim Clark. Tim Clark reached out to me and he's like, Hey, he's like, I've, I've seen your stuff. You got a recommendation uh, from somebody, and and I, we want to we want to have a meeting with you, and uh, just to just to kind of talk and and get to know me, and for me to get to know them, and 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 thankfully after talking with the guys in the editorial team and and all that, I was able to uh, actually pick me up part time. Then I eventually got full time there, and um, I'm I'm extremely grateful for Tim Clark and 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 Brad Norman, Zach Albert, all those guys that, that gave me a shot. Um, you know, cause at Fox sports, I was still paying my dues. I'm still paying my dues now. You don't, you don't stop paying your dues, you know? So I was, I was thankful that they actually wanted to give me a shot and I was able to prove myself enough to, 
to get hired hired by the league, it's a big deal. So um, it was I'm very thankful for that. Also, just because I'm curious, um, what year did you graduate from Bowling Green? Uh, 2014. 2014. Okay, so you would be so you're four years older than me. So you're what 27, 28, 28. Yeah. Okay, perfect. That's what I thought. So you that's weird. You were graduating college and I was graduating high school. Oh, you're you're young and man, and you're making me feel damn old. That's for sure. <laughs> well, your beard game is a little stronger than mine. So <laughs> it's you know I was gonna grow it out, but it was uh it was it was too much. I can't I can't do it. I would ask you to take off the hat so we can see what the hair is doing, but I, I don't know if I want to know because I need a quarantine cut bad. It's not bad. It's just uh, oh, that's not bad. Not bad at all. No, I I'm uh I don't I I can let my hair grow out a little bit. I have a couple more months in me before it'll get, it'll start getting irritated. Is that your new uh, Tim Duggar hat? It is, yeah. So my boy Tim Duggar, he's a really good friend of mine. Um, great guy for the for the industry. It's it's cool that we. Um, it's kind of what like he he scratches our back, we scratch his as far as as that goes. Like he's a big fan of NASCAR and, and B two B. Yeah, it's it's great. It's um and he's he's just the 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 biggest takeaway I get from him is he's just an awesome, really funny dude. He's a great guy to have a beer with and just and talk to and. He loves this sport through and through, and I mean, in, in his latest song, it's uh, "You're Gonna Love Me." It's still Mrs. Earnhardt. Like he gives Darren Art a shout out, and his music's so good. And um, you know, it's it's just not, some nice country music. Big country music fan. Um, so he was. I was lucky enough that he, he sent me one of these hats. So I got a got a rep. Tim Duggar. He was also on the post race show at uh, from Richmond with Jonathan Merriman too. So I got a text from uh, from Jonathan. He's like, man, he's like Tim Duggar, so cool. I love him, and and you know, we don't want to make. Tim Duggar's head too big, but he's no. just not a great guy, great ambassador for the sport. Yeah, really cool. I haven't gotten the chance to meet him, but I've listened to some of his music, and uh, it's just cool because, I mean, I'm one of those people that, you know, I, I'd like to say that I'm in tune with what's going on in, in the world, society, and, you know, on social media, people our age, pop culture, so to speak. And I like whenever NASCAR hits mainstream for the right reasons, of course especially in these days and times we know that uh, it can hit for the wrong reasons. But um, so anytime that it can like be mentioned in a song or if I see it on sports center or something like that, I geek out. I'm like, Oh my God, NASCAR is like making a big time. Um, because I mean, we grew up kind of in the boom of everything, but yeah. we were kind of too young to comprehend the fact that it was booming and appreciate that it was booming. And then everything happened with the recession and whatnot. And that's kind of a whole another can of worms, but to have Tim as a, ambassador for the sport and talks about it so openly so freely does a lot of content with you guys at nascar and and you know mentions dale earnhardt in his songs and watches every single week and he's on iRacing. it's it's cool to have that type of person there with the sport hand in hand and same with you know bigger guys in the country music scene like blake shelton's boys with clint he goes to races all the time bring back sunshine like Cole all that Swind kind of stuff i think it's cool cole mm -hmm. swindell as well with blaney and everything like I love when you get the crossovers. Well, we we uh, we grew up in the days where where Jeff Gordon was getting mentioned by Nelly and like EI and stuff, right? And and, uh, and I think the late like the latest song for me, uh, the latest rap song is uh, it's called NASCAR by Roddy Rich. That's actually a really good song. It's just I love I love to hear the NASCAR mentions and pop culture and everything. And and between that and like the fashion statements people make with like the the NASCAR coats that I used to wear as a kid, and I got I got yeah. made you know and now it's like it's cool i'm like well dang it i, was, I, I know was like, you know <laughs> yeah like when i was a kid i had like my uh i had my shell pens all kevin harvick one i had a, like two or three different budweiser kevin harvick ones uh my dad may have had a dale jarrett one or something like that but now like you see all these people on tiktok just wearing like an old ass john andretti cheerios thing i'm like what where did this come from what like i was cool before it was cool <laughs> yeah seriously i'm on my closet i'm like i'll just get it out right now i'll become a tiktok star or whatever and there's there's another rapper i think i don't even know if it's his like i think it's his rapper named big baby scumbag big baby earnhardt whichever one it is i don't know but he's into it now too i haven't heard of that one <laughs> yeah he is i think he um you know you might know brad perez i think brad perez may be uh working on yeah. a collab with him for something so stay yeah, stay tuned Brett to that. Bodine right now right is that what his name is on yes Twitter? yes but the bread mobile bread but speaking of scumbag by the way um i always call you a scumbag because that's what i call michigan fans because you got the 
lowercase s, lower cu, capital U M, lowercase bag because you know U of M fans are scum, scumbags. Well, so I, I have some. If I could, if I could say some explicatives, explicatives right now, I, I would. But you know, you can I, I'll bleep them out. That's nah, all right. Okay. Well, we'll agree to disagree on that. Let, let's get back on track. Um, I let, let you be an asshole on your own podcast. Okay? Yes. Thank you. Well, you wanted to come on, so I said it's your world, and you gave me free reign. So this is your fault. Uh, whatever helps you sleep at night. There. Yes, uh, it does. Um, you mentioned Jeff Gordon. Um, I'm sure you had some old Jeff Gordon jackets, Rainbow Warriors, all that. Um, this is a two-parter. I'll save the second part for after you answer the first one. Why Jeff Gordon? Uh, was it because he was the guy who always winning when you were growing up? Because that's pretty much how I got into being a Dale Earnhardt fan when I was too young to form coherent sentences. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jeff Gordon was just cool. Like he was like the, the, the driver that all the, all the kids liked, you know, he was the, he was the up and coming guy. And I was, I, I, he appealed to me more than Earnhardt did because honestly, it's probably where I grew up. I didn't, I mean, I didn't have the appreciation for like the Southern badass that Dale Earnhardt was because I grew up, in Ohio and, and that Midwest. And so that, that Indiana appeal with Jeff Gordon and coming from the dirt ranks and all that. And, you know, being such a, um, being just somebody different that NASCAR had never seen before to propel the sport to the next level. That just kind of what appealed to me when I was little. And, you know, we got a colorful rainbow warriors car, all that stuff together. And, you know, it was well, well-spoken and, and, you know, it was more like the, the people I was surrounded with. Um, up in Ohio. So I just kind of all that together just, and then all my friends liked him too. So we all just kind of were big Jeff Gordon fans growing up. Second part, was there ever a doubt that your dog was going to be named Gordon? Uh, not, not one there's, and I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I'm actually not the one who named him. Who did? My ex-girlfriend did. <laughs> she, Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Hate she, to hear that. Yeah, she did. And I hate to, I hate to say oh, it, but I'm man. not gonna lie. Yeah, uh, and I, I love the name because I didn't know what to name him. And she's like, "Why don't you do Gordon?" And then she named my dog and kicked me to the curb after that. So, Damn. yeah, I got I got a good dog and a good name out of it. So that's that's all I care about. Well, at least that, that makes a funny story. When when you're married and have kids, you know, ten, fifteen years from now, or whatever, that'll be a good story. Exactly, Gordon will still be around because Gordon's gonna live forever because he's a champion. I, I don't yeah. doubt it. You know, people call him Gordon. I might just call him Hefe. What is it? Jefe. What's that? It's like Jeff in Spanish, isn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I I need to brush up on my Spanish a little bit. It's good that you didn't major in Spanish either. No, I no, I didn't. I took Spanish classes, but didn't retain anything. Yeah. Which is I'm I'm Hispanic too, so that's even worse. I need to brush up on the Spanish classes. <laughs> well, uh, I got a couple more, then you can go on uh, Rosetta Stone and and learn some Spanish. That's my next move after this your coolest opportunity you have gotten to date in your life as a NASCAR reporter? Oh man, that's, that's a really, really tough one because I've been blessed to, I've been able to do a lot of cool things. I should have um, given you a heads up before. No, it's, it's all right. Just give me one sec. There's a couple of them that, that, that come to mind. No rush. Um, so I'd have to say, I'd have to say the biggest one is, um, would have to be meeting Marshmallow, uh, covering the uh, the the burnt like the the burnouts on the strip in Vegas yep. a couple of years back, and and getting to cover Austin Dillon and Marshmallow, and and that was cool because Marshmallow's a really cool dude. Because um, like it's it was so crazy to like have a conversation with him with his helmet on because obviously I was going to say so did he have did he have his Marshmallow thing on or off? Yeah, that thing never comes off. Like he had to <laughs> they had to make sure that he got in the car with that too. Um, so it's. Yeah, that it was just it was interesting to talk to him with his with his helmet on and all that. But like he's a really cool dude, and so being able to meet him, being in Vegas, that whole experience, um, that that was really cool. And then Austin was really cool with him, and and that that whole that whole experience was really was awesome. But so he's so like, oh man, you know that. Oh, I know. Okay, but now I'm intrigued with Marshmallow. So I don't know why. I just figured like because he's wearing like a head and he's wearing like a almost like a mascot suit and like, you know, mascots don't talk. So I was like, does Marshmallow not talk? Does he just like play music? Like, but I guess he talks and is, is his voice normal or is it like a Darth Vader thing where like he puts on yeah. the mask and he sounds different? 
No, he's he sounds like you know, or like a one of your you know young friends. Like he's okay. he's just a, he's just another another dude, you know. And and uh, obviously it's a little muffled because you can't really hear him like that that well. But he's like he he was just having a little conversation, and like he had he had like his you know this little posse there too, and they were really really cool. And um, every like from the exp- experience I got, and Marshmallow being such a positive influence on the younger generation. Um, cause there's a lot of negative stuff there in pop culture. You just, that's, that's just how it is. But Marshmallow is always trying to be positive to the younger crowd and, and all that. Um, and as what you, what you see with him is what you get. And that was really cool to, to experience that. Um, that's pretty sweet. I didn't know you met Marshmallow. I, yeah, that was, that was pretty, pretty badass. Like I, I couldn't believe that it was one of those deals where you're in the moment and you don't even appreciate it cause you can't yeah. believe it. That was it was cool to be able to cover that, and it's and that's a cool thing about us being in the sport is we get to cover a lot of cool things, and and it, I always tell people it kind of beats having a real job. The uh, the good days always outweigh the bad, and honestly, my especially in these trying times, like the bad days really aren't even bad days. That's what I was gonna say, yeah. So it's we're definitely really blessed and and all that. And obviously, getting the opportunity to meet Marshmallow. I'm curious. What's your favorite moment? I'm curious. What's what's your best experience? So I haven't gotten as many opportunities as you, but the one there's there's a couple that come to mind. Um, the one that I probably say is number one was like a year and a month ago or so. Um, so actually, we just like finished a round of Zoom interviews promoting the upcoming Richmond race, which was not upcoming; it just happened, but. Since uh, NBC Sports Washington, one of my jobs is in the Richmond market, they reach out to us and say, hey, you know, we have X driver available for like 10 minutes via satellite. Would you like some time with them? I say, yeah, obviously. So last year they had Martin Truex Jr. on site with them uh, going around the Washington, D.C. area. So like they went to the Capitol, they went to Ben's Chili Bowl, they like did all this cool stuff in the city. Um, and then he came to MDC sports, Washington studios to do an in-person interview with me. Also, can you hear me? You're frozen. Yeah, we're back. Okay. When did you stop hearing me? Okay. So I was basically saying, um, I was basically saying, coolest thing was Martin Truex Jr. Um, Richmond was like, had him in the area to promote the upcoming race. So he was in like the DC area, went to the mall, like all these landmarks, really cool stuff. And he, um, he also was coming to NBC Sports Washington Studios to do an in-studio interview with me. And I'm a quote-unquote measly production assistant, but my boss, who's super cool, she hired me as an intern. She hired me back as a freelancer. Um, she like gets all these things in her inbox and she knows my situation and how I'm like trying to make a career in NASCAR and all that stuff. So whenever she sees something like this, she texts me. She's like, are you available? I'm like, yes. And then she books it. So, um, I was, I was freaking out because I had never done like a one-on-one in-person interview with the driver. Like I had talked with K&N drivers at the time, but like, this was, this is a cup champion. Like I was like, okay. Yeah. Like this is a big deal. So, I was kind of like shaking in my boots Um, and the studio that we did the interview at, it was kind of like in the middle of the studio and people know me as the PA. They're like, why is Davey like wearing makeup? Why is he wearing a polo? Is he being on camera? What, where is this? Where is this airing? Like it didn't air anywhere. They didn't even use it. Cause like frankly, NBC sports, Washington, like there's no need for NASCAR content. That's not what they're, they're going for. But I used it for, for myself to practice uh, to disseminate out there, all that stuff like that. It's an unreal thing to have on your reel, no pun intended. So that was probably the coolest opportunity that I had because, and I mean, you know Truex too. He was so cool, literally sat down with us for like almost 45 minutes, um, just like chatted. Um, it was it went really, really well. And um, you, you, you probably know this too, Chase. Like, I get a real kick out of when drivers like realize that, you know, what the hell you're talking about, because especially on those media tours, you know, they're, they're probably just going to the local TV stations and they're getting questions like, how does it feel to race at Richmond Raceway or something like that? You know, 
But I asked them a question about uh, how he gets really nervous when he watches his brother Ryan Truex race. And he literally looked at me. He's like, how'd you know that? And I was like, I did my homework. And he started laughing. And then he like opened up to me from that point on. And that was the moment where I was like, all right, like this is awesome. This is sweet. So that was kind of one. And then the other one was um, the fact that I was on site for NASCAR.com, NASCAR home tracks back then for Haley Deegan's historic win at Meridian in 2018. Uh, but also funny story because I got suspended slash fired for what I did that race. Cause I made a typo, but that's neither here nor there. That was a cool opportunity just to be there though, because like that was literally a historic night. Um, and I had developed a, a good relationship with Haley up until that point. Um, and it was just cool. Cause this kind of leads into my next, my next question. We're at an age where there's a lot of people in the sport driver wise that have the same interests as us, go to the same places, do the same things. It's hard to balance. And I think you could probably back me up on this. It's hard to balance being professional and, you know, being an unbiased reporter versus being friendly and having friend relationships with these drivers and whether that's hanging out with them outside of the racetrack or giving them preferential treatment, which I, I don't do. I'm, I'm sure subconsciously, maybe some of it comes out here and there and everybody has an inherent bias. How have you learned to balance the friend part of getting to know these drivers and working in the sport versus putting your job at first and saying, okay, you know, like I'm here to do a job. That's what I got to do. And I'm not going to let my friendships get in the way. Cause I've had some trouble with that in the past, but I, I think I'm getting better at it. Yeah. So, um, it is delicate balance because, um, you want, I mean, I, the reporting comes first to me, no matter what, obviously I want, I'm going to do my job. I'm not going to be biased or anything. And like, I don't have a favorite drive or anything mm -hmm. like that. I, I could, I, care less about who wins every Sunday. I'd, I'll be just as happy if it's, if it's Martin Truex Jr. If it's Timmy Hill, you know um, it's no matter what, it's good for the sport. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I do also think it's important to develop relationships with drivers in some capacity. So, because I mean, a, a trust is built with, uh, with these yeah, drivers and with athletes in general in any sport. Um, so I feel like if I go out there and do my job, and if, if I do have something that's kind of not, not as positive about a driver to say, I have facts to back it up. And, um, so I, I mean, there's, I've been lucky enough to, you know, I've, I've, um, like for example, Alex Bowman's one where wherever we just, you know, we kind of give each other. My crap next question. Yep. Uh, yeah. So it's just like, it, it's just those, those experiences are inevitably going to happen as you get farther in, in the sport with drivers, they're going to get more comfortable with you. And depending on their personality, they're going to joke around with you, give you crap, whatever it may be. So just kind of finding that line, just to not to not overstep that, and and um, let that affect you professionally. You know, so you still got a job to do, but also you want to develop those relationships, build that trust, so that they're when they want to talk to somebody, they're gonna they're gonna go to you and 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 give you the story or give you a better answer or whatever it may be, just so it just makes your quality of content that you put on your website or in, in your videos that that much greater. So it's, it is a balance. Um, but it's, you know, your, your job comes first and, and having unbiased reporting is very important. Yeah. I've, I've learned to kind of balance that as I've, as I've gotten older and gained more experience because it got to a point when I was covering K and N races and I was, I was texting drivers to set up times to, to do phone calls for interviews. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, like I'm very friendly with this person and my friends with this person though, you know, it's like, okay, you know, like we talk every now and then we don't talk every day, but like, we don't always talk about racing. So part of me is like, well, you know, maybe you should just kind of keep it to a professional relationship. But then part of me is like, well, no, like in order to gain somebody's trust, like, like you said, you need to have a very personable relationship with them. And that doesn't happen overnight. That happens over years and years and years of fair, accurate reporting, coverage, what have you. And I think for people that are our age and, and people like us that are inherently social, you know, that's kind of tough to balance. But I'm glad you brought up Alex Bowman because this is uh, this is one of my last questions. Um, I think 
letting Alex Bowman tease you about your Tinder game, that will never, ever stop and never not be funny. Yeah. Um, so for those of you that don't know the background Please about that. Please enlighten um, us. Yeah, so I was uh, – we were actually at an appearance um, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was lucky enough to be able to go up there with him and do a story. It was ahead of a, the Michigan race, which is one I always attend because I stay at home and get to see my family and all that. Um and he was doing a, a selfie video for us for our social platform. And I mean, me being a young single dude, <laughs> I got Tinder on my phone. And just, you know, my luck would have it to where the notification popped up right as he was doing the selfie video. He has not let me live it down I since. I wouldn't either. We've been, in, we've been in media scrums and he's like, how's your Tinder game? I've been there. Like, oh my God. Yeah, you've been there. You've seen <laughs> it. You've heard it. So, yeah, and he will never let me live it down. And, you know, I got, I give him a little crap back, yeah. you know, but uh, you got, you got to, but yeah, it's that, that was, um, it's, it's all in good fun, but I'm like, dang it. Like, why did it have to be at that, that moment? He'll never let me live it down. That's for sure. But it's, you know, it's, it's all in good fun. And that's, you know, if he, if it makes him more comfortable to make fun of me, then, you know, so be it. I think it was, it was the, mo I wasn't at this race, but I think you either tweeted about it or texted me about it or something. Uh, I think Chicago last year, Kansas, wherever he got his first one, was it Chicago? It was a Chicago yeah. line last so, year. So yeah. you're in victory lane on behalf of NASCAR.com. Have You have the NASCAR microphone in your hand, and he just won his first race. You know, you're thinking, like, his emotions must be all over the place. He's freaking out. He's like, okay, this interview, this interview is being pulled in a thousand different directions. And when you're about yeah. to start interviewing him, he gives you shit about your Tinder game, like after his first career win. Yeah, that's he's. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, how you doing? And he's like, he's like, I'm like, congratulations, you know, just being respectful. And he's like, uh, he's like, I think we should talk about your Tinder game. Like, <laughs> I don't think we should do that. You just won your oh, first man. race. Like, what are you, what are you doing, man? And and we had to add a little bit of that interview out. But that <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a character, man. He that's yeah. You're right. Like, you, you just won your first NASCAR Cup Series race, and you're still giving <laughs> me crap. So he's he's a. Uh, He's a different breed, but he's awesome. All right, so we'll end it here. How is your Tinder game going during this quarantine? <laughs> um, I it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's got a it's fun to meet new people. Just in that general, pause that. says so much. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's 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 all it's all in good fun. You know, it's getting. I like I like to meet new people and 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 you know just make new friends and and what have you so it's been it's been fun it's been fun i just i, I just hopped back on it recently so you know i'm just having a little bit of fun well, i hope that you meet a, a lot of new friends on tinder during this quarantine and maybe who knows once once the stay-at-home yeah, order is lifted you can go and uh, hang out with them the, these new friends that you well, make. I, maybe i could finally find a girl who who likes me so we'll we'll see who knows well, hey, but i'm just living man if, it's all about living life man if fun. you get a new dog maybe maybe she'll even name it for you maybe she'll name it jefe yeah, yeah, where you're not going to let me live that down either. No, right? no, Tinder and that's Gordon; those are the two things we learned today. There, that's if, if that's all you take away from this whole this whole hour interview, then that's we're it's it's fine. <laughs> I'm I'm here to entertain. Well, I, I I like to make fun of myself just to give other people a laugh. I don't mind that. It's all it's you can't take life too seriously. Well, for the last hour or so that we've been talking, you've you've done a pretty good job of that. So, uh sincerely though, thank you for your time, your honesty, your story. It was very intriguing, very interesting. I hope that everybody listening has learned a thing or two and if you didn't know about Chase before, now you know that he's just a scumbag. Now you know way too damn much. I'll tell you that. Yes, that that is true. <laughs> so, uh give my best to your roommate who's probably sitting about 10 feet to your left. Um stay safe, stay inside to both of you. Give Gordon a hug for me, and I'll hopefully you. see you soon at the racetrack. Keep up the good work as always. Can't wait. Uh, thanks, Dave. You too. Keep up the great work, and uh, just stay safe your, uh, yourself. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed it as well. Um, and I said as well because I assume you enjoyed it, but uh, if you didn't, please let me know why. <laughs> By giving me a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, we're available wherever you get your podcast. But before we close the show for today, look at up that week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Josh Berry won Saturday Night Thunder at Richmond. That was the second iteration of it. Kyle Busch finished 13th in the IndyCar race on iRacing at Twin Rig Montegi in Japan. 
Virtual Japan, that is. NASCAR officially postponed the Martinsville weekend, scheduled to take place in a little bit under a month from now. Daryl Wallace Jr., a.k.a. Bubba, issued a statement on Kyle Larson's racist remarks. Um, you can check that out on his Twitter and his Instagram, I think. Besides the fact that I, I like him because he's in NASCAR and he's an advocate for the sport, I think everybody can learn something from that. So I highly encourage you guys to check that out. Ryan Luza won his third straight Coca-Cola iRacing Series event at Richmond. And Mike Wallace, you remember Mike Wallace for JD Motorsports in the Xfinity Series? Yeah, well, he's coming back with JD Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. Remember Mike Wallace? He ran back in the Xfinity and Cup Series way back in the day. Well, he's coming back and running a one-off race for JD Motorsports in the Xfinity Series race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, scheduled to take place July 4th weekend. So be on the lookout for Mike Wallace in the number 01, I believe, JD Motorsports car. That will wrap things up for Episode 52, the Donnie Neuenberger edition of Victory Lane 2.0. As I, as I mentioned, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Chase, good buddy of mine, and I'm, uh, I'm glad that he's he took the time to, to be with me today on the show. I'm glad you took the time to be with us today on the show. Again, if you like what you heard, leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. It does help us out. Until next week, or later this week, I did that for the second week in a row, stay safe, stay inside, wash those hands, and happy quarantining.